0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the sixth ever episode of King Cas King Gamers Official Podcast. I'm your host Dave Lozada. I'm joined with Sean Rabine. Hi, Sean.
1: Hey, David.
0: And Tim Ronan. Hello. We have a pretty action-packed episode this week, just like last week's. This one's a little more, I'd say, optimistic. <laughs> this time, uh, we're going to be talking all about. Cloud gaming and streaming and all that, uh, all that good stuff. But before we get into the topic of the show and our news articles for the week, I want to ask: What have you guys been playing this week? Sean, what have you been playing? What have you been
1: watching? Uh, well, there's about. I thought about. I thought there, there's like three games I've been playing and three shows I've been watching. Uh, as for the games. Uh, I haven't played it this week, but the embargo on being able to talk about it is now up, so I can now talk about Ion Fury. Mm. Uh, I put out a review for that on Keen Gamer. For those who don't know, it is a from Voidpoint LLC. I think it's a new studio. They haven't made any of the games. But also in tandem with 3D Realms, they made a new game using the build engine, which was the same engine used for Duke Nukem 3D, Blood, and Shadow Warrior. And if you liked those games, you'll like Iron Fury. Interesting. Uh, I would say as far as spiritual successors go to uh, decades-old franchises, this is probably the most faithful. Hmm. Everything about it is from the era of the 90s, in a good way. I don't want people to think that this sounds like a bad thing. (laughs) In a good way, it is a 90s child. But it has modern polish. It feels great to play. If you ever played games like Duke Nukem 3D, Shadow Warrior, Blood, or even Doom, you'll like this game. If you've ever been curious about what those games were like and you've never played them, this is a good way to get started because it has that modern polish. If you like FPSs, look at it. It feels great to play. So I really liked it. Uh, I've also been playing this game called Yoko's Island Express. Okay. Uh, it's this game where you play as, I think it's, it's like a little beetle. And you have like this uh, ball that you're attached to with like a rope or something or a thread. Hmm. And you're a little mailman. And you deliver mail across the island. And it's a Metroidvania in the sense that you can, only, you can go places, but you might not be able to progress until you get a special item. But what makes it unique is that it is also a pinball game. So there are areas where you go as this little beetle, you got this ball and you got to knock it around like a pinball. And it's super cute. Its biggest flaw is the fact that it's too accurate to an actual pinball machine. The physics and the movement can be very frustrating to work with because it doesn't always want to cooperate with you. So, interesting. That's a little frustrating but it's very cute. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm still working on uh Rampa, the first one on stream, uh, it continues to be insane and in a good way. Um, I wish it wasn't. It's a little like watching an episode of Blue's Clues as an adult, right? Because like, where is the apple? And right, you're like, it's right. under the, it's under the, it's under the sofa. And like, where could it be? He's like, it's under the sofa. You saw the dog put it there. It's where I want. Is it under the lamp? He's like, no. So it's like that where you you figured something out, but you have to wait for the rest of the cast to catch up with you, and you're just like, "Come on, let's get through this." And where uh, can people find you streaming? Yeah, flea Jin, which is D J I N N. There you go. Um, and flea F L E A. There you go. I won't get into what it means. It doesn't mean anything, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's a fun game, though. I love yelling at Makoto because he is the most oblivious character in games ever i'm confident that before the events of the game he was raised inside of an empty room just sitting on a folding chair for 15 years and he walked out and went to this high school because he is just it it doesn't click with him very quickly what's his um skill Uh, like his his gift he is the ultimate average Ah, uh, okay. His, that makes sense. It says yeah. he's the ultimate lucky person because the only reason he went to school is he won a lottery to do so. Right. Um, right. But it's explained that he has no discernible traits. He is the top of the bell curve in every conceivable area. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's just nothing. Yeah. So they went a little bit overboard with the blank slate character for you to impose your own personality mm-hmm. on Because he still talks, so he has a personality. Okay. Uh, As for TV, I started watching the first episode of Season 2 of Mindhunter on Netflix. Uh, Uh, If you haven't watched Mindhunter, you you should. It's done by David Fincher, who directed uh, Seven and Zodiac, mm -hmm. Um, a bunch of other great films. Um, It's about the formation of two FBI agents in the behavioral science division of the FBI, Working on developing the very first uh, serial killer database. Ah. Like when they get started, there's no term for serial killer. They just up until that point, they're just like they're just repeat offenders. And they decide to interview. They decide to interview some serial killers, and those are the best parts. Uh, the guy who plays Ed Kemper is astounding. The fact that he did not sweep the Emmys is a war crime. It is. He's great. Hmm. Um, Very chilling show. Very great show. Um, I highly recommend it. It's really good. Is it kind of like Uh, Silence of the Lambs type of thing? It has a very Silence of the Lambs vibe, yeah. They're not. Yeah, in some cases, they do use a serial killer to sort of solve a crime. They're sort of um, talking to serial killers and saying, What's your method? Why'd you do it? And they use that as a framework to figure out if they can. Get a confession out of somebody, mm-hmm. or determine if someone might be a serial killer in the future. Interesting. So it's it's really cool. I if you like crime drama in any sort of way, check that one out. If you like David Fincher, Seven, um, Zodiac, check it out. Uh, also on Netflix, I watched the last season of Orange is the New Black, and that was a big disappointment. Um, just. The finale wasn't as bad as Game of Thrones, but it was still pretty bad. Hmm. Uh, the main character, the supposed main character, Piper, is consider continues to be the worst character on the show. Wow, which is frustrating. Um, the real main character is Tasty, uh, Tasha Jefferson. She's the real main character. She goes to the main arcs. She gets all the things done. She has character growth. She's great. The actress is great. Piper, don't care. Who cares? Uh. And finally, I watched the last episode, and this is a series finale, not just a season finale, of Legion. And that, where Orange is the New Black, was a disappointing finale. Legion was a perfect finale. There were things I wish it had done, but those things would have just been in service of me. Just things that I thought would be neat to see, but wouldn't have actually enhanced the story. It is a perfect piece of television Start to finish. Everything works together. The music, the visuals, the acting, the writing, they all work together as this beautiful product. And it's a beautiful show. Not just visually, just in general it's beautiful just to see this work of art. Um, and I don't want to overhype Legion. And someone's like, well, I don't want to get into it now. It's going to be disappointing. They're not going to be able to live up to that hype. Right? And it might not, but... Legion is not for everyone, but I do think everyone should try it because it's hard to say who would like it because it's not like, oh, well, if you liked X, you're going to like Y Mm -hmm. because there's nothing really like Legion out there that I'm aware of. So I can't say if you like this, you'll like Legion. However, I can say if you don't like uh, superhero movies right now, and in the sense that you're kind of tired of them, you're like, okay, I've seen this type of story before, I've seen it over and over again, I've done a decade of this, I would recommend looking at Legion, because that might be the breath of fresh air that you need mm-hmm. to rejuvenate yourself and maybe go back to the movies at one day, but this is worth saying. It's, it's a superhero show, yeah, but it's mostly a show about mental illness in the uh, context of superheroes. Hmm. And Interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: Very that interesting. So that was my week. Very interesting. I I have been hearing a lot of things about the boys, which I think you finished last week, right? hmm I've been hearing a lot of good things about that. So I might I might actually check out that. Legion I've always been interested in. I think I mentioned uh maybe two episodes or three episodes ago, like how I see that everywhere and like all their <laughs> promo materials are really cool and et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know, Uh, maybe I'll check it out Uh, Tim, what did you play And or watch this uh, Past week
2: Let's see Um, Still been Chugging along in Destiny 2 I guess I don't really have much to say about that But uh, yesterday I decided to Play uh, Borderlands Borderlands 2 Mm. Uh, Hey Yeah I um, I got maybe I mentioned this. I got a new desktop like a month ago, and I um have been wanting to try playing that on here, but I just hadn't. So I decided to try it out yesterday. In fact, I thought I'd have to. I didn't realize that my saves would be imported over from my uh, laptop, so I was committed to just like starting over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I saw that no, my other saves were there. I was like, oh well I guess I could go back to those ones but because I don't know. Right. But um I was like, you know what, I'll just I'll just start over again. Cause I'm crazy and even though I've played this like <laughs> twenty times, I'm like, you know what? That sounds like fun for some reason. Um <laughs> So just been going through that. I've actually well, it's it's kinda of fun because even though I've played like, I think uh, like 530 hours of this game already, there's still a lot that I haven't done or seen, um, particularly with like some of the DLCs. Um, mm. And actually, recently there was a sale on the Handsome Jack collection.
1: Uh, and that. Yeah, it was a deep sale. It was like 95% off or something. It was
2: crazy. So like for five bucks, I got like the remaining DLC and random other stuff I didn't have. So now I just have everything, so I can wow. go and do that now. Um, oh, and plus the the free DLC that um, just launched the um, Commander Lilith Lilith thing. thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that
2: one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I thought it'd be fun to try a new character that I haven't really. Played much around with for this new playthrough, so I'm playing as this kind of weird one. It's um, his name's Krieg. He's a psycho.
1: I love Krieg.
2: He's he's hilarious. So <laughs> his uh, there's like these three different branches you can go down, and one of them is fire based. And the idea of this one is that you, if you set an enemy on fire, there's a chance it'll set yourself on fire. And when you're on fire, you do more fire damage.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, that's like, the early stages of it. And then, uh, actually, this is a di- from a different tree, but there's another skill you can get where you can, um, like, if you go down in Borderlands, you have to, like, wait for someone to revive you. But mm-hmm. with this perk, it's called Light the Fuse. And you get yeah. a stick of dynamite, and you can just, instead of, like, be on the ground and, like, crippled and having to wait for someone, you just have to, like, walk around and, like, throw dynamite at someone instead, which is just silly. Um, and I just, I want to share a couple of his quotes with you because they're they're very special. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. I'm here to shank and smile. It's time to bleed. Who's ready to <laughs> flay some scalps? Blood, 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 blood. Ma-ha-ha-ha. My mind is on fire. Uh, and if you'll just stick with me for a second here, it's a bit of a longer one. I know what I've become. I am the inside of this world. I taste the gore, and I smell the crying. And I want more. I want to bathe in your flesh. I want to savor your fear. I want to live inside a castle built of your agony. And I want to crumble it with an axe to your artery artery.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> At one point does he say that? Is that,
1: like, that's random? That's,
2: like, um, I guess that's when some ability is active. I haven't oh my come God. across that yet, but... It's, like,
1: heat of the moment type things. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, says that whole, like, monologue in the, in yes. the middle? Of, oh, Jesus. Yeah.
2: There's, like, five more of those for the same <laughs> ability. It's, uh, it's very for those, silly.
1: For those who don't know, Krieg is a psycho... Yeah, he's a yes. psycho. But he's a psycho type. You know, you see... If you ever seen the box art of a Borderlands game, you see that guy with the mask. That's a psycho. Krieg is one of those types, except Big and Beef here. Uh, he's huh. super fun to play.
2: Yeah. And he's a good he's guy.
1: He's so silly. Oh. The problem with him, though, for me, was that he was super fun to play. He was incredibly useful. But once you get him to, like, uh, OP1, uh, that's, like, beyond... True Vault Hunter mode, or Ultimate Vault Hunter mode, he kind of starts to drop off in damage because his his whole thing is his big axe that he throws at people, and that starts to damage scale doesn't really follow into that mode, unfortunately. So, plus the way I played him was to keep him in that uh, his ultimate mode as long as possible, which means not using any guns, which sort of defeats the purpose of playing the game. Uh, but he's. Mm-hmm. He's a lot of fun just to tear through enemies, just like their tissue. Hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah, I've been enjoying him.
0: But very cool. And anything else that you've been uh, enjoying? Maybe something a little less <laughs> gruesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh no. Okay. It's pretty gruesome for me. <laughs> okay.
0: Just a gruesome week for Tim. That's that's the way yeah. it goes. Sometimes that's the way it goes. You know. Uh, as for what I've been, I haven't been playing anything as usual, but I've been watching something, and I uh, uh, I watched two things. I saw two things. I saw earlier this week. I saw the Rocco's Modern Life movie. Uh, oh, I wanted to see on that on Netflix. It's actually really good. Like, it's really good, guys. Like, like seriously, oh, good. yeah. It. it the way that the thing that impressed me the most about it, and no spoilers here or anything, is just how well they managed to to just preserve that art that really crazy zany art style. It just feels mm-hmm. like it's it's been ripped right from the nineties, and you know, like the, how there's so many like different aspects on screen, so many details and stuff like that, and like it always seems like there's like a like a hodgepodge of colors and et cetera et cetera that it's mm-hmm. it's it's translated like extremely well to to two thousand nineteen and i'm really quite impressed and they they have like they they have um rip off stuff of uh starbucks uh apple yeah. products and stuff like that and it's just really funny like i, I just I, I don't know i really enjoyed it 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 was it was a nice uh yeah, special like a like a twenty year kind of special t- thing and then I uh, I saw also from early two thousands um, the Invader Zim special. Uh, oh yeah! Enter the Florpus, and that was also really good. But that this one's different in the sense that the animation here is just like exponentially better. It's just so mm-hmm. intricate. It, it it reminded me of like an anime like. Um, I don't know, like like an Attack of Titan or something like that. Like the, the animation quality is just so good. But some people may not like that, I and understandably so, because um the the original original uh Invader Zim series was very purposely like like shoddy <laughs> animation style. Like it was like very like there's like there was shit in the corner and like they, I don't know, like it's very grey and very like uh, the characters are very ugly looking and stuff like
1: that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I forgot yeah. how well, gross think, it was. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think that was like part of its charm for me as a kid. Because right, and if nothing else, Invaders Zim had a very uh, alive world. Uh, there was nothing was ever very relatable because like, oh, it's a classroom, but why are there giant tubes everywhere? <laughs> like, oh, we'll go to this fast food place, okay, but why is there a giant hippo man there? And, yeah. <laughs> There's flies around his face and he's screaming. There's this insane homeless man. And so yeah. it, it was always just a show that was just constantly moving. And as a kid, I was like, yeah, okay, we're out. Yeah. Give me a second to breathe, man. Just keep it coming. Keep it coming. And, and the thing is,
0: is um, uh, Johan Vasquez, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who's the creator mm-hmm. of the show. He, came, he obviously came back to do the special. And you could see his his art style like all over the place, like his, his, his ideas, I just, like, he just spewed everything out into this movie. Like, just so... That's a good... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good way to describe how Vasquez does this. He spews... Yeah. He just spews everything. Like, he just, like, he comes up with yeah. stuff, and then he just, you know, he vomits it on the, in the, in the show, and, and it, like, and it works, you know? Like, there's so many yeah, yeah, totally. random shit for the better, for the lack of a better term, like, all over the this movie and it's so entertaining because it like Gurr like he said he has like some moments where i just i had to stop and i was laughing because it was just so ridiculous like he tries to like no spoilers or anything but like in typical Gurr fashion like you know like zim tells him to do stuff and then Gurr just like he's like okay yes master like he, he goes all red and he goes yes master and then he Walk, starts walking away and he falls on his fa- on his face <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny yeah. and oh, and then great. and then like the screen just pauses there you know and for, like for a good like three or four seconds and it's just hilarious it's just it's so <laughs> pathetic um and yeah just that that really was a good uh, highlight of my week I, I, it came out yesterday I think uh, and I oh, definitely cool. recommend if you even vaguely know What Invader Zim is, and if you had fun watching it back in the day, like I did, then definitely it's worth a watch. It's it's less Mm -hmm. than an hour and thirty minutes long, so yeah. Okay, guys, so let's move into our news stories for the week. Our first news story this week is all about Steam Workshop, specifically when it comes to Counter Strike Global Offensive. Apparently, now there has to go every uh, user generated content has to go through an approval process so that means maps weapons other items uh have to go through a moderation process approval process it'll take about a day valve said i think that this isn't i mean this is something that i I think a lot of people on steam have wanted for a long time what do you guys think Uh,
1: sean uh what do you think about it Uh, I think uh, on paper it sounds really good Um, one of the problems that Steam has in general is a lack of a quality filter Steam has always had this policy of just like if you want to be on Steam put it on here whether it's game a comment a review whatever you want put it on here we don't care what it is just do it and the problem is that Steam has a massive user base Mm -hmm. uh, so you get a massive amount of bullshit that is worthless Uh, so there's, there's no filter for that kind of stuff. Right. Like, right. Uh, I was talking about earlier um, that one of the problems with Steam reviews is that the best way to get discovered is by having your um, review seen in the most recent and that's hard to do when people are just spamming the game with reviews of like, I like game and that's it, that's the review. <laughs> and they have like 500 upvotes for being helpful and like 2,000 for being funny. And it's like, what is this? What what you... Yeah. Just low effort crap. Um, so, any system that Steam puts in place that can help moderate the amount of terrible content that goes through it is good. Mm-hmm. My only worry about it uh, is if this were this policy were to expand to other games, which I'm sure it will. I haven't seen this bot problem on other games. I've never played CSGO, so I, I don't know what it's like over there. Um, but... My worry is that it would expand to other games, and they would use the moderation process to not stop bots, but to stop any copyrighted material from going through. So, for example, uh, I played a game called ReVenture, and it has a workshop where you can upload your own sprites to be used as the main character sprite. Mm -hmm. And people like to put in their own ideas, but they also like to put in copyrighted characters. So there's, there's Kratos, there's Finn the Human, there's Pikachu, you know whatever you want it's there and my worry is that for things like that steam would come and be like no we don't own pikachu you don't own pikachu you can't put it on there right um one of my favorite mods for dead cells just changes the uh soundtrack to jock jams Hmm. and it's like that might not be available because that's just the soundtrack for jock jams Mm -hmm. and so you know that might get taken out i don't know that's my fear. I don't know if that's going to happen. I've there's been, no evidence that it has happened. Right.
0: I've been. It's a good point. I've been working on a number of articles recently, and um, this has to do with mods. So it's. I guess it's a little different. But uh, some of them are available on Steam, and uh, there's one in particular that I'm working on now. Should be out next week for Game Revolution. It's about some of the best Resident Evil 2 remake mods, and there was one available mm-hmm. on Steam. Uh, that turned Mr. X's all of his sounds uh, were like squeaky noises so Mm -hmm. like every time (laughs) he would move it would make a squeak, 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 squeak and uh, that was funny and then there was another one where it turned him into, I don't think that one had a problem Uh, so I don't see that that problem, that this new Steam Workshop moderation uh, program affecting that but when you start seeing things like Thomas the Tank Engine replacing Mister X entirely. Okay, you know that could be a problem because Thomas the Tank Engine is licensed by or yeah. you know, created by whomever. So, yeah, I I, I definitely this could be like um, I know Bethesda's been trying to do this for years, right? Like trying to clamp down on mm-hmm. on their on their mod, on their mods on their modders. Uh, Tim, since you have been you've had experience some doing some mods with Minecraft, right? So, what is your opinion on all of this?
2: Um, I mean, I guess I want to say it feels like a good thing, at least in terms of, mm-hmm. like, clearing out spam bots and stuff. Um, and right. from the sounds of it, the, appro- the approval process isn't long. It's like a day or two. Um, I was just, I mean, I, I don't at least in terms of like steam workshop stuff i've never um i mean i've never actually even downloaded stuff from there much less contributed to that so yeah i was just kind of looking at the comments on this article seeing what people are thinking uh one thing someone mentioned was like they don't want to have to wait a day or two which i guess Hmm. i personally don't agree with (laughs) yeah that that seems fine to me but it's kind of
0: petulant
1: um, yeah
2: yeah, like like yeah. I
1: get the not wind away a day cuz like I upload stuff uh writing things all the time and it's like I don't I want it to be seen now. I want to see the reaction <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. But a day is like yeah, I can I could live with a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: For the sake of quality and assurance and mm-hmm. having things not be screwy, then, yeah. I I disagree. Um so I just I'm kind of wondering why there'd be like like if these mods were like maybe monetized somehow I understand there were like problems with like conflicting like IPs or stuff that Steam doesn't own but um isn't that stuff like normally fine like if you, like if you put Pikachu or whatever in something
0: right mm. I, I mean that's true I, I would think so you know like. I would think that they still allow that type of stuff. I, I just again this. I think this is only on CS:GO for now. I think this is only something that's affected mm-hmm. that game, and it's pro- probably due to the fact that we outlined it before. There's just too many spam bots on it, and the fact that it's a really popular game. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if I can't see this kind of like. I mean, I can't see it like spreading out like system wide type of thing, platform wide. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they tackle things like, okay, you know, Resident Evil 2 mod, you know, Sexy Clara mod or something. You know, because it's going to be inundated with that type of stuff. Um, So, maybe they would. Maybe they would.
1: That is a difficulty because, like, uh, you know, a game might... Like, I don't think Resident Evil 2 is rated for sexual content. Right. However, it is open to sexual content if someone were to go to the scene workshop and download Sexy Claire mod. Right. So it it does create problems, but I I haven't heard of any, like, upsets happening because of that, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, because if you're downloading the mod and you, you you know, I guess that's taking, like, some kind of uh, assumption that you are of the age to consume that type of content, you know what I'm saying? So, like... Yeah. And, I don't know... I mean, technically, they're allowed, right? So, I don't. Know, should the ESRB even consider those types of things? How would they consider those that type of things? You know, if they're not made yet. I think so.
1: I think what the ESRB does currently, and I've seen this primarily on like, uh, in the past MMOs, but now more than ever since we have the live service model for many games, right. is they say, "Here's what is in the content that we can rate." Also, by the way, any online content. Right. You take no responsibility right. for. Because right, yeah. right. you're at the whims of the internet and you're on your own. Get it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's how they wash their hands clean of that. Mm-hmm. So if they can maintain that and never go towards modding with it, then we're, we're in the clear.
0: Right. Hmm. Interesting. I, I'm, I'm willing to see how, if uh, Valve does go like beyond CSGO, like, what would happen? You know, it, it, I, I, mm-hmm. think, I think a lot of people would be mad because they need their sexy Claire mods. But, you know, like. I I don't know. Don't don't we all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sexy Leon too, and and sexy Mister. I don't know why you
1: guys play Resident Evil, but that's yeah, predominantly.
0: Yeah, duh. I need that two B, those two B mods. Yeah,
1: two B is great.
0: (laughs) Two B everywhere. Every game has a two B mod now. It's just crazy. She
1: she's in more games than her own. She's in one game that has her officially, and then. Yeah. You know, she's in like so- uh, Soul Calibur, I think. She's like only in one game
0: ones, in the near franchise. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And she's like in more. I mean, the near franchise, I think, is only two games now. Well, the Dragon Guard franchise is like this bigger one. Oh, I won't go into that. It's mm-hmm. just. I'm going to be talking
1: about it for an hour. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next. Near games. Story. Huh? Sorry? Yeah. Near games, yeah. There's only like two near games. Yeah. But once you get into the other media that. Yoko Taro has decided to jump into like books and CDs mm-hmm. and stage plays, and it's like Yoko, come on, man! Right? What, what do you? How do I? How do I do this? It doesn't make any sense. It, it's no, the near games are part
0: of the Dragon Guard series, and the Dragon Guard yeah, series yeah, yeah. is like it's it's been around since like the '90s. It's just crazy. Like there's just all this mm-hmm. junk. I don't, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, it's just a lot of stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's move on to the next news story we have this week. This one's all about Loot Crate. Do you guys remember Loot Crate? That I sure do. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that company has filed for bankruptcy recently. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they
1: have – I cannot believe it.
0: Uh, I believe last month they laid off um, most of their factory workers, and now this month they're going to lay off – all the rest of their workers, um, presumably the ones that are working in their office, I think they only had they had yeah 150 warehouse workers uh, last month. Uh, they let them all go, and it had uh, the company was left with 60 full time workers this past past month, and now they're just kind of uh, being let go without any severance, without any benefits, just like how Toys R Us mm. kind of let their employees go without any um, you know any any severance. Uh, it's just very unfortunate. And the, the company had to take out many millions of dollars of loans. Uh, it had, it defaulted on a twenty million, twenty million, 21 million dollar loan in 2017. Uh, it had a, I think the, the most recent one, they're, they're defaulting on a $10 million, uh, bankruptcy loan. And it's just, it's just unfortunate. Uh, what do you guys think of this, uh, Tim, what do you think of Loot Crate filing filing for bankruptcy?
2: I mean, it's too bad, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's been around for a decent little while. Mm-hmm. I've personally never uh, gotten any subscriptions or anything from it, but um, I guess I was just wondering if if I ever would have. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's, it, it's kind of weird in a way because the idea of it's like, oh, you get, like, a cool little creative like, nerdy gamer stuff or, like, anime stuff or whatever every month. That's cool. But over time, well, for one thing, some people, I think, um, they're mentioning, like, you know, some of these are, like, repeats. I've gotten some of this stuff before. Mm-hmm. Like, just recycling of old stuff, for one thing, but, yeah. um, you know, you might kind of get just random stuff that you don't necessarily want. Uh, so maybe the the value of what you're getting every month isn't, isn't there. Yeah. If you were just to go out and specifically buy something that you know you want. Um, and I don't know, over time you just have like this constant inflow of like potential junk that you don't want every month. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I can, I can see why maybe in practice, it may not always work out even though in theory it's like, you get like treasures every month and cool mm-hmm. stuff. All right. But,
1: yeah. Sean, what do you make of it? <clears throat> um, so, Loot Crate, I actually did buy into uh, when it first got started. And when it first got started, um, the content was pretty good. The stuff they put into the crates was good quality. Um, you know, my friends were like, why would you spend $20 a month on something that you don't know what you're going to get? And it's like, that's kind of the point. It's like, eh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to get, but, you know, it could be fun. It Loot Crate is equivalent to uh, drunk shopping on Amazon late at night, and then you wake up, and you don't remember what you bought. And then, like, a week later, you get an Amazon box like, what did I order? Yeah. So it's something like that. <laughs> uh, but eventually, Loot Crate got too big for its own good. Um, uh, the quality of the items started to diminish. And it became less and less like, oh, I got a crate of five cool things to, I got a crate of four cool things, three. And eventually it was like, I got one cool thing and four things I they've asked me to throw away. Yeah. Because it, it's primarily stuff that's like left over from conventions that were going to be given away or sold. Mm-hmm. And they just like pawned it off on a loot crate. Uh, I think um, loot crates downfall though was their own success. They started to get kind of... Um, arrogant of how popular they were, right? Because you know, originally you just had the loot crate, and it would have stuff. It was based on like a theme, like space. So you'd have something from like Alien, or you'd have something from uh, Star Trek, and um, I can't—I can't think of a space video game at the moment, but space video game thing. And it was, it was a nice <clears throat> combination of quality things, but loot crates started creating different crates. And I just went to the website to see how many different crates they have. And this might not be accurate. It's their own website telling me this. It might be more, it might be less. But they have over 30 different kinds of crates, uh, ranging from the basic loot crate. Then you got Loot Crate DX, which is where you get the good stuff. Then you have uh, Clothing Crate Remix, which just they, they put in the old stuff. This is their way of getting rid of their their shipment, their, uh, warehouse. Loot gaming, loot anime, loot fright, WWE slam crate, Hello Kitty and Friends, Marvel gear, Fallout crate, Dead, Clu- Dead Club, <clears throat> Adult Swim, and it goes on and on. And socks. I don't know who's buying socks from this. But <laughs> it goes on and on like this. There's so many different crates. So whatever quality stuff they had now had to be spread out across all these different kinds of crates. Mm-hmm. And so you had less and less quality in each crate, and it became like whatever I'm getting is getting crap because I don't think any people, anyone was getting multiple crates, maybe like two, but beyond that, I can't imagine people buying more than one crate. Yeah, And, <clears throat> yeah, eventually it became for me, it was like, yeah, there, there's no point to me spending $20 a month on mystery when I know I'm going to get one thing that might not be worth $20 and four pieces of junk. So uh, right. Loot Crate kind of spread itself way too thin. I did see in the article that it said um, there was a Fallout 4 uh, crate series. It was going to be a six-part series of like six different crates across months. Uh, and the total thing was like over $200 to get this thing. And thus far, I think people have gotten two maybe more, but they haven't gotten all of them. and Wow. That, that's just more evidence to be like, people, don't buy things that don't exist yet. That includes yeah. season passes, that includes crates that are going to be mailed to you across the month. If it doesn't physically exist, it's not worth buying. Don't do that because mm-hmm. shit like this can happen where loot crate goes bankrupt and they might not be able to fulfill those crate orders anymore. Yeah. And they might give you a refund, sure, but... What money do they have to do that with
0: yeah I feel like when it comes to geek culture merchandise like that this this type of area this type of industry it's not really kind of I mean for lack of a better term like built to last in the sense that I I don't see a lot of these companies sticking out sticking around for a long time Um, like most of them, the vast majority, I, I know that they've come and, and gone, really. Uh, mm-hmm. And this, this Luke phenomenon, I think Luke Crate was really the one that kind of spearheaded it. I remember mm-hmm. after Luke Crate, like once Luke Crate got on the scene, like everyone started copying them. There were so many of these other knockoff kind of, uh, you know, Loot Crate wannabes that... Uh, offered their own type of thing. So, like, I remember there was one that I had and it was called... Uh, I forgot what it was. But it was about, like, basically anime. So it would give me anime anime merchandise every month. And this was before the Loot anime thing. Uh, and I got three boxes and then they filed for bankruptcy. They were gone, you know? And it's just because when you buy all of this merchandise in bulk or when, when it's delivered to you in bulk, like, it's just not profitable. It, it just just isn't, you know. It, I, it's just, you know, you, you may be making, recouping some costs through the subscriptions, but generally you're, you're just, you're kind of buying in bulk and you're, you keep buying in bulk, buying, bulk, buying, buying, buying. And then, when, you know, you, you're trying to recoup the cost through the servicing fees and, and through the subscription, but it just, it doesn't equate and that's that's been something that that has happened through all the other knockoffs, and now it's something that's kind of caught up to Loot Crate. And uh, you know, I it's unfortunate to me. I never had Loot Crate, but uh, it was unfortunate to me because <laughs> I remember <laughs> like five six years ago, there used to on every YouTuber that I used to watch would always be like, "Hey, you know, just got my my Loot Crate from uh, you know from Loot Crate." Let's unpack it. Let's see what's inside. You know, like everyone was promoting it, so it was just yeah. to be like a thing where I was like, okay, like like Boogie two nine nine two nine eight eight. Like I used to watch him a lot uh, many years ago, and and he would he would be like he'd do this thing every month where he he'd open up like his loot crate box, and it was just fun, you know, just to see. Oh, you know, I, I I'm gonna keep this one for myself. I really like it. I'm gonna give this one to my wife. You know, I don't know.
2: Just, he actually made a video about. Uh, Lew Crate.
0: Oh, did he? Yeah. Really? I, oh. I still watch him. Oh, oh, you still watch him? Yeah. I I I I kind of want to. <laughs> I want to see that now because I don't watch him very much anymore. just because I'm you know I'm busy. Um, I, I mostly would just watch Angry Angry Joe now. But uh, yeah, like I I I I was wondering if he would have any reaction to that. So okay, I'm gonna watch it after this and, and see what he has to say. Is he sad about it?
2: him yeah but yeah. i guess um he heard that this might happen so he hadn't really been well he hadn't been doing like sponsored sponsorships with them or promoting them or anything uh, um yeah but just kind of knew that this might happen
0: uh mm, yeah well you know i i hope the best for their employees um their former employees i hope that they are able to find work you know Not easy working for a geek culture or a geek merchandise company. You know, I'd be very wary of that. You know, like even Twitch now. I feel like they're they they have some troubles ahead of them. You know, with with Ninja leaving and stuff like that. It's just it it should be. tough. it would be tough. I I would imagine for them.
1: Like I like. I don't think Ninja leaving would bankrupt them or anything like that. But Ninja leaving is definitely going to be a wound they're going to feel for a while mm-hmm. because that's a big amount of revenue loss yep that
0: one that's right Does, like
1: anyone like know like how that works because like i know you can buy like a subscription of multiple months to a streamer by the way don't do that that's that doesn't you're buying things that don't exist yet right okay but,
2: but they will exist
1: no they might move to mixer but it's unprecedented i got bought out by bix mixer um, like, like if I, someone, like, bought, like, 20 months of subscription to Ninja, and they still have 10 months left to go, like, what does their subscription do now? He's not there anymore, so, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's weird. Uh, but yeah, Loot Crate, kind of sad to see him go, but I'm also not surprised. Yeah. Um, they corner the market on this whole surprise gift box thing. Mm-hmm. And like you say, yeah, there, there were a ton of pretenders that were just swimming in its wake, and they fell off one by one, but eventually, so did Loot Crate. Um, there was one that I thought was pretty neat. I didn't get it, but my sister did. It was sort of a book Loot Crate where oh. they would send you one book, right? Mm-hmm. But they would also send these, send you these little goodies related to the book. And the way it works, like, okay, you have the book, and you have this thing that said, like, okay, open this up at page 34. And it was, like, something related to something that happened on that page, it might be a scent. It might be some like piece of candy. It might be a keychain thing. It was these neat little things like do this on page one thirty two. I thought that's a pretty neat way to do it. That's a way to like differentiate yourself from all the other loot crates, other than just be like I have this thing, yeah. they have that thing. It's definitely so. an interesting idea. I've never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. yeah. also loot crate introduced me. I I feel bad that I can't remember it. Uh, there was some. It's some not like a toy, but it's like a, a plastic figure company. It starts with a Q. Uh, but they have they really cute figures and they ha- I've got a few of them from a loot crate. There's one I have of um Iron Suit Spider Man kinda hanging from a lamppost. Mm. And it just looks really cool and I never would have known about that company before that. But Loot Crate kinda stopped doing that. They sort of like, Hey, here's some Too expensive. Here's a Pikachu keychain. You know what it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like, ah, well, you know, it, it didn't really introduce me to anything now. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: at least we still have gaming conventions. We still have anime conventions. We'll still find all that stuff there. Yeah.
1: So, I only I only go to one gaming convention a year and uh, what's that? That'll be next year. Uh Magfest. Music. Oh, the one festival. in
0: January. Yeah. Down yeah, yeah. um is that in Washington uh Washington DC? No, Virginia, right? Um No, I think it's in in DC. It's on the oh, National D. C.? Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. It, I always wanted to go there, man. It it was so good. Cool. It's super. All cool. all, all ton of my friends go there. It's just they say that it's like super fun, super like music and all that jazz. Like, it's great. Yeah. Um,
1: they got so many different like panels, and it yeah. feels like they're like sort of open to any kind of panel being had because yeah, <clears throat> I went one year and I just went to so many different panels. So it's just like you know some are... you know. Um, Voice acting and gaming. So they talk about. They had like some voice actor directors yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a point where like they invited people up. It's like okay, we're gonna have you read a script from like Skyrim and you sort of do some voice acting. and We'll coach you. Cool. I thought that was cute. Um, the best one was going to. It was like a three a.m. panel. Yeah. It's like a twenty four seven convention. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was a three a.m. panel with the one of the creators of the show Reboot okay. back from the nineties and it was just watch some episodes with him and he was sort of answer some questions about the episode and the show in general and it was just cool. really cool and uh, it's held at the Gaylord Hotel and it's a oh. beautiful hotel it's crazy and yeah, yeah. next year will be the first time that I actually get to stay in the hotel nice uh, nice the only problem is the days that I was able to get don't aren't all the days that the convention is open but there's yeah. some overlap like two days overlap so
0: yeah yeah Cool. I hope you have fun. Uh, I, I've i been to the Gaylord. It, it's nice. It's really nice down mm-hmm. there. Okay, so let's move on to the next news story this week. This one is about <laughs> something else that's been canceled. It's about the canceled <laughs> supposed uh, Rocksteady game, Arkham Knight. It's a sequel to Arkham Knight. No, w, sorry. Warner Brothers Montreal game. Excuse me. This one's supposed to be a sequel to Arkham Knight. It's supposed to feature Damian Wayne. Uh, taking up the mantle of Batman, the Cape Crusader, and it's supposed to uh, supposedly a lot of uh, all this leaked concept art indicates that uh, Damian Wade would have access to the Batmobile, to uh, uh, a rundown version of Gotham uh, after the the events of Arkham Knight, and then they would be like all of these cool characters like uh, Gorilla Grood, Grod? How do you how do you pronounce Grod. it? Grod. Gorilla Grodd, mm-hmm. uh, Flamingo, uh, Penguin would return. Two Face would return. Dick Grayson would return. There'd be uh, a female version of Black Mask, which I thought was really interesting. I thought Poison Ivory's mm-hmm. new look real, was really cool. Uh, there was going to be some kind of implementation, supposedly, of the Nemesis system that was from the Middle Earth games, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, which I thought was f- super fascinating. I, I you know. To see that kind of translated to a a a Batman game, Um, and they the the this leak uh, supposedly says that WB Montreal was also going to work on a was also working on a Suicide Squad game, which is something that we already knew, but that was also canceled Mm -hmm. too. And uh, we I think Kotaku reported that a couple months ago, and they were also thinking about working on a. uh, Superman game, but that never got greenlit. I guess that that you know got canceled before <laughs> before it even was born. Um, and now that they're now supposedly they're working on a quote unquote superhero creation game, which is concerning because i I don't like I don't like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I personally I don't like it. Sean, what do you think of this? Is uh, what do you think of the cancellation? Would you rather just have an Arkham
1: Knight sequel? This, um, this one hurt yeah. because yeah. I <laughs> was talking to my friend the other day about the Arkham series. We both love the Arkham series. Uh, we both love Batman. Uh, the Arkham games were such a Arkham Asylum was such a huge surprise hit because like oh cool Batman game and it turns out that everyone loved it. It's like oh great yeah. <clears throat> but I was talking about it the other day. It's like why haven't we gotten another Arkham game. We got Arkham Knight and then I think we got... Or Arkham Origins came after that or before. It was before. But it was like, yeah. Why isn't there more? I want more. What is Rocksteady doing? They haven't said anything. Yeah. And we were talking about what we would have wanted in an Arkham game and I mentioned the Nemesis system. Yeah. And in fact, last week I mentioned the Nemesis system saying, why haven't more games copied this? It's a great That's right. system. You did yeah, say that. I remember that. Yeah. And... It's a system that would work perfectly in a Batman game because it's like, okay, I beat up this thug and now I see him again. He's got like, you know, bruises and stuff like that. He wants to come back. And he I keep encountering him progressively and he becomes progressively more like a super villain. He's starting mm-hmm. to gain his persona and all that stuff. I was like, that would have been perfect, especially for Batman, who is often blamed for the creation of all his villains. Right. And it also makes sense because I actually read that uh, the Middle Earth game, uh, Shadow of Middle Earth or something like that, yeah, uh, Shadow, Shadow of Mordor uh, was originally going to be a Batman game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were developing it as a Batman game and then WB said uh, well Rock Studies are already working on a AAA Batman game so why don't you pick another IP that we own? And so they chose Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, so Nemesis System was literally made for Batman and we didn't get it. Uh, the concept art looks great I think the yep. best one is Two-Face this old man Two-Face mm-hmm. with this big jacket this big coat on is great yep. Gorilla Grodd uh, I don't know what he's doing I mean there, there's always crossover between superheroes and their supervillains you know yeah. Gorilla Grodd is a Flash villain but he doesn't really fit with Batman uh, Black Mask female Black Mask that's cool Super Poison cool. Knight looks cool mm-hmm. um Poison ivy, especially, drove home the idea that this is <clears throat> this would have taken place uh, years after Arkham Knight because in the rest of the Arkham, Knight, she doesn't look anything like that. Right? She goes for this femme fatale look, but on this one, she's just sort of like, "I'm an angry scientist. Stay away from me." Mm-hmm. Uh, so losing this hurts because yeah. um, Damian Wayne, we might have gotten Bat Cow because Damian Wayne has a pet cow in oh. Bat Cow he also has a pet giant bat that he rides around on he has a lot of bat pets that he has and it's great That is, we could so have had those but Suicide Squad game is a fortune to lose but I'm actually not too hurt by it Superman game not getting greenlit not surprised at all by that because Superman game is hard to do Yeah, because Superman is super powerful so you know what do you do with that because most games where you're like you can have absolute control of destruction you're kind of an evil character Superman is not evil so you mm-hmm. can't just have Superman going around blowing up buildings and, unless you're Zack Snyder yeah um, <laughs> so doing a Superman game that's it's really hard to make that work um, and as for a superhero creation game Meh. in theory I like the idea of it but I'm not great at creating superheroes despite the fact that I really like superheroes yeah Whenever I've played a game where it's like hey make your own superhero I'm like I I, I don't I don't know what to do. but I think yeah, it's, it's, I think that's
0: most ours. people though like I mean like when like you see these, like people create like our developers even like they create like this like super like elaborate person and thing and it's like oh wow look at that and you know you're like oh I'm gonna, I I think I'm going to be able to like you know you know uh, have this like super cool avatar and it's going to have like, he's going to be super built and whatever. And then you, you actually get to, to create a tool and you don't really know how to use it. And I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I'm just speaking for myself, but like, like all I really do is like maybe change their hair colors, <laughs> like a ridiculous <laughs> hair color, you know, and make them look like really ugly or something. And like, <laughs> you know, but I think that's exactly, but like most of my friends do that too. Like I, when I go to their houses and like they're, they're, they boot up like fallout 4 or whatever and it's just like some ugly ass you know avatar that they have or like a a, a copy carbon of themselves just with like purple hair or something
1: you know like it's like i've never understood doing that that's like like, i guess i can understand it's like i want to make myself in the game right but i've seen my friends do that and it's like you're just it's just you you look boring. Is the problem? Why yeah, you I know. Yourself? It's the same reason, same argument I have when uh, there's like a, a fantasy or sci-fi game. Yeah, and they're like, okay, you can play as a human or this alien or this fantasy creature or this. Yeah. and then you have a person who's like, I'll play as a human. It's like, what's wrong with yeah, you? Why would you do that? You're, you're human. You have a chance to play as a uh, a crogan or a dwarf. Yeah. Do that instead. What are you doing? Um, yeah, I've human. never really been good. I just want to be human. I do want to be a <laughs> <the> alien. <Yeah. laughs> and then they have to go to their room alone and they pull off their mask and they're a lizard person. It's like, they can never know. Yeah, you know. That, All that I, I want to do is true. be
0: human. That could be true. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Like I've never been good at um, creating... Doing like the customizable face. I, I can't do that. It's, it's yeah. outside my wheelhouse. But I like creating the fashion that they wear um, the the sort of combining different armor pieces. You know, have you ever yeah. heard of like fashion souls mm-hmm. where like people play Dark Souls and Bloodborne and they just they figure out different armor pieces that make a character look cool. Yeah. It's like, that's fun. But a superhero I've the only time I've invented a superhero or a supervillain actually was for an idea I had for a uh, Las Vegas based superhero. So I try to think of, like, supervillains based around the sort of Las Vegas themes. So, like, a gambling one, and there's a Vegas showgirl-type villain. Um, There's an electrical-based villain because there's electricity running everywhere through Las Vegas. It's always lit. Um, It's lit. But beyond that, I I could never, like, uh, I don't know what to do. Yeah, no, me neither.
0: I'm not, like, I'm... I just, I can never really grasp, put my head around... The creation system, so... And it's like, I don't want to waste time, you know? Like, it's just not fun <laughs> to me, so, like, I... I n- yeah, it's not. you just
2: want to, like, play the game? I just want to play point. the damn game, yeah, that's
0: yeah. all. So, like, I just want to, like, I I'm, I don't really care. Like, I... Okay, I just do this thing, it takes me five minutes, done. You know, and, and I just play the game. That's it. You know what cripples
1: yeah. me in the character creation more than anything else? Yeah. Like, I'm bad at the face thing, but I can always just choose default. It's when I have to pick a name. And, oh. Like, oh. Yeah. What is my name? What's a good name? And I'll just sit there for like 10 minutes trying to think of a good name. Mm-hmm. And it's the hardest thing in the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, in Zelda, like, I just leave it as Link always, you know? like Oh, yeah. It, like, like for games that, like, okay. you associate with a character, you just leave it, like, as the default name. So, like, for Zelda, I just leave it as Link. Um, or,
2: or you go down that route of, like making their name something that fits into a sentence. So when people say mm-hmm. your name, it's like, <laughs> hey, garbage face. Yeah, do this yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean... Ah, I see you have defeated me, my ass. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. In Pokemon games, we used to do it all the time. Just like my <laughs> ass, or like Chungus or something. Um, yeah. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Arkham Knight sequel cancellation and the concept art?
2: Well... I guess it is. I mean, it's it is funny that it um, this Reddit mention mentions the Nemesis system because we did literally just bring that up yeah. uh, last week. Um, so it sounds like it's kind of too bad. Mm-hmm. I I do have uh, Arkham Asylum, which I admittedly didn't finish, but you know, I always how dare you? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm, how dare you insult me? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've always heard that. Both it and the other games in the series are pretty good, so yeah. you know it's too bad to hear about this. But I feel like we shouldn't be too sad because um, WB Montreal is working on a different Batman game, and maybe it'll be you know it could be a games as service, and we can right. have loot boxes in it. What?
1: Oh my! It'll gosh. be great. I, did, I told you. I told amazing. you this news hurt me, and you just <laughs> you put some salt on the wound. But, you know, but now you're just squeezing lemons into it. I don't, I don't know why you had to do that. <laughs> you bring up a good point because
0: so this isn't only Rocksteady. This is WB Montreal too, and mm-hmm. WB Montreal hasn't made a game since I think Arkham Origins. So what the hell are they doing? Which wasn't great. Yeah. So this isn't only WB Montreal. This is I mean Rocksteady this is both of those studios. So what the fuck are they like seriously it's been like 7 years at this point. It's been a while. And it doesn't take that. I mean I I, mean, I wouldn't think take you 7 Yeah, Sean. You going to correct me? Oh
1: no, I was I was going to say um WB Montreal the last game they worked on was the DLC for Arkham Knight. Uh, the okay. Bad girl DLC. That was it. But what was like the last like so, game that they were like the full game? The last full game they did was Lego Legends of Chima Online. What the fuck? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. What <laughs> the <frick> is that? <laughs> Lego Legends of Chima Online. There is like two words in that sentence I recognize. When did that come <laughs> like, out? 2014, and the backer one was 2015. So yeah, they've been. Radio silent for almost half a decade. Like, what have they now. been doing? And what is what is rocks what is Rocksteady been doing? Like seriously, Rocksteady's been doing nothing. That's the thing. Like they did uh, Arkham Knight, and then they just disappeared. And they keep saying, "No, we're working on something. We promise." It's like tell us what it just is. Just tell us. The last yeah. they worked on was Batman Arkham VR, which was in twenty sixteen. Yeah,
0: but that was short. It was like you could beat it in like two, yeah. Like come on, you know. Well, before like, that, it was Arkham Knight. Yeah. And and that was made by the, their B team, most likely. So it's like... Like, I don't understand why... I mean, like, is WB... Like, I, I'm assuming at this point that WB has contracted them again to work on another game. That, that's my assumption, because they're an independent developer, yeah. Rocksteady. And indeve- independent yeah. developers, I, they obviously need money to survive, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just it's just very concerning to me because it's like... This their next game is going to make or break them, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. They haven't put out anything in in the past. My biggest worry is just Warner Brothers' involvement because yeah, WB Games is not. They don't. They have a lot of great games under their belt, but mm-hmm. they they find a way to ruin them sometimes. And then yeah. you look at the movies that Warner Brothers ruins, <laughs> of, especially the DC movies specifically, <laughs> and it's like. I don't trust you with Batman, WB. I don't trust you with it. Yeah, they're they're not going to let that one go.
0: No, they're not. They definitely want a Batman game. I I definitely think that they they want a Batman game from either one of those two studios. It's just, it's just like, like does anybody like care? Any, I mean, I think most people care, but it's like, I care. I, I care too. You know, and I think most people do. It's just like. Like just just shit on or, or get off the pot, you know. Like it's like come on, already. <laughs> it's really re- any, any, quite ridiculous. Any momentum gain from the Arkham
1: games is now lost, right. Basically,
0: right. And um, and they'd have to like incentivize it somehow. Like they have to be like, okay, guys, like they have to like pour it over Arkham Knight or something to the next gen. I, I would think, you know, because it's been so long. Yeah. So. You know, just yeah. like they did with the the other Arkham games, you know they they port, they ported them over. I think it was did after the make, fact, but you know,
1: did they ever make an Arkham collection like all three or four games? Yeah, they did. They Do that for like next. They did. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so I mean, that, that I guess that helps, but you know, I hope to see something for Rocksteady and WB Montreal soon. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, guys. Let's move on to next news story this week. This one's about Fire Emblem, which is a series that we do actually see (laughs) right now and then. (laughs) And this is actually good news. Fire Emblem Three Houses, which was the latest release in the franchise, it's actually had the uh, largest Fire Emblem launch in US history. So it even beat out uh, the last game, Shadows of Valencia, and it beat out Fire Emblem Awakening, which I thought was amazing, and it beat out Fire Emblem uh, uh, Birthright and uh, the other one. What was it called? Conquest, I think. Uh, it beat out all of those games, which were all super popular. Which is awesome, you know. I, I it shows it's a testament to the the Switch's kind of popularity, I think, and and the, the franchise's popularity. Uh, Sean, what do you make of of Fire Emblem Three Houses of of its success?
1: I think this is you know nothing but good news for Fire Emblem. and yeah. You know, good for them because like. Uh, Fire Emblem for the longest time, I think they had their games in the West for a while, and that it was pretty much a niche game, like no one cared. It's about really niche, it, was a, yeah. it was a handheld game, and no one cared. And then Marth came to uh, melee, and people were like, "Who's this guy?" And so they sort of reverse engineered their way back to like, "Oh, he's from Fire Emblem." And they started playing those, um, but I think this this huge burst in sales goes to show that the only thing holding Fire Emblem back was being on a handheld. And mm-hmm. yes, Switch is can be handheld, but it's also a console. Right. Um, so I think this is great news for them. I haven't played the game. I've only seen like the first hour, like when my friend got it, and I sort of watched her play the first hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how much it changes from the other Fire Emblem games, but mm-hmm. I will say that whenever people talk about it they never talk about the combat. They always just talk about the socializing aspect. Yeah, the waifus. Maybe that's what... The waifus, yeah. And Fire Emblem has... Fire Emblem Three Houses has no shortage of waifus to choose from. Tons of waifu material. Uh, That's right. Yeah, so maybe that's what got people in. It wasn't the whole, oh, I I was waiting for it to come to console because I hate handhelds Mm -hmm. thing. Maybe it was just like, you know, I'm not really interested in Fire Emblem. I don't really like real-time strategy. Oh, waifus. Okay, well, now you have my Dude, interest.
0: Dude, that 110%, when they introduced that in Fire Emblem Awakening, 110%, mm-hmm. that's what got... Like, even my friends who don't typically play video games, they picked that up, and they wanted... Because they wanted the romance, like, all these cute characters and stuff. You know? Was
1: White, was uh, Awakening the one where they introduced Camilla, I think it is?
0: No, that was the, the one after. Um, that okay. one was yeah. Birthright and... Conquest, I want to say, Fire Emblem, revelation uh, Revelations. Camilla got my attention. <laughs> More ways than one, huh? Uh, yeah.
1: She I was like, Oh uh, hi. What's up? What's this game? Where'd you go?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, I, I think. Well, Fire Emblem is an interesting franchise for Nintendo because it wasn't. It did. It didn't actually uh, arrive on North American and European consoles until after Marth was in Smash. So he was... He got introduced Hmm. into... I believe you're right. It was Melee. And uh, alongside Ike, I want to say. I think it was Ike. And people were like, Oh, man. Like, I really like these characters. And they were really popular in Smash. And then... So that encouraged Nintendo to say, Okay, let's try it out. Let's see, you know, how we do here. And uh, it it did. It did uh, do some relatively good success. And actually, good story... Uh, caveat is that uh, Nintendo was actually so discouraged from Fire Emblem sales here in North America that they were uh, just thinking about doing it like localized releases in Japan uh, and like Fire Emblem Awakening was going to be the last one and mm. uh, that was kind of like the, the studio that's responsible for it, I forget their names I think Intelligence Systems um, they, were, they were really like make or break, they were like okay this could be like this could very well be our first fire emblem game ever because if it doesn't do well in japan then they're they're done and so they really like put everything into awakening and they that's where they, add, like, they added the social systems and stuff like that and lo and behold it was a huge hit and uh, it, it kind of like i didn't i wasn't a fire emblem fan, i'm going to be completely 100% honest i wasn't a fire emblem fan until awakening came out and that game is just phenomenal um, I, I love the characters. I, the the romancing stuff I don't care about. Um, but like the sure. yeah, like the um, <laughs> sure, <laughs> just, just yeah. whatever you gotta say <laughs> to
1: get through the day. That's fine,
0: that's fine. Yeah, I'll be
1: here living my truth though. Yeah,
0: but. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the story was actually really good, and um, the story for the the next two weren't that great. But um, and then the, it was they did a remake. But supposedly the one for Three Houses is really good. So, and the characters are really good too. And, and you have all types of waifus to choose from. So you have like, oh, yeah. like student waifus, and you have like teacher waifus, and you have
1: everything. So I will say that I do prefer the teacher waifus. I, when I look yeah. through the list, I'm like, me too. The best ones are the ones that are my, that are the teacher age. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, feel a little less creepy about. Uh grooming my students to be my future wife, but you know the caveat things. here is that the students
0: actually there's a time jump, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and the students actually grow up, so you know you, you maybe you feel creepy at first, but then like you're like okay i, I can get with this, you know what I'm saying,
2: yeah, uh, maybe well, you'll feel know. creepy at first get it. then you'll see that David you'll Lozada, see that their clothes off.
1: <laughs> put it. that put that quote on the box you'll feel creepy at first <laughs> that's right <laughs> but yeah this is mm-hmm. this is a note to all developers out there if you have a franchise that's struggling put waifus in it and let us date them that's it and you, and you'll win boom like no problem boom because like most waifu games are visual novels and those aren't very engaging that's so right so if you put some gameplay in it you got a you best go. sell right there there you
0: go and Tim, um, uh, are you going to be r- romancing waifus in Fire Emblem Three Houses anytime soon?
2: Uh, I mean, is that even a question? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry. It's, so, it's such an obvious uh, answer, I right know. But yeah. uh, what do you make of its success, the game's success?
2: No, I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah, It's good franchise i've always heard a lot about it it's another one of those things i have also never played but i know that it has its fans and it's doing well so it's awesome Mm
0: -hmm. and many body pillows and all that good stuff (laughs) you go to anime conventions and stuff dude like it's like it's crazy i'm gonna go to um like i think my next one is anime nyc so i'm i'm very much expecting like all of these I don't know any of their names by the way <laughs> I know there's like a like a girl right with like gray hair and blue eyes I guess um
1: um and the only names I know if you're talking about three houses yeah three is, houses um, yeah, yeah yeah I think it's Shamir I don't know how I'm pronouncing that right okay uh Catherine and Manuela it must Those be Catherine the three teachers
0: oh 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 the three okay well, the whatever teachers, I'm whatever the, the case may be, I'm like, I'm yeah, whatever the case may be, I'm fully expecting there to be body pillows, keychains, posters, what have you, of all of these Fire Emblem mm-hmm. Three Houses characters there. So, if you guys want any of them, just let me know. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to our next news story. This one's about something that I think you, Sean and Tim, I think you guys <laughs> recognize this one a little more. This one's about Apex Legends. And recently, it came out. Uh, Kotaku reported on this. Uh, it would take 170 dollars in in-game coins to purchase one of the new uh, axes that are in the game. Uh, so, th- this is part of the the game's uh, Iron Crown collection event, and it's uh, the specific specific item is called the Raven's Bite, and it's a heirloom quality melee weapon. Um, that's just uh, newly introduced into the highest tiers of items that you can get in uh, Apex Legends. And Kotaku basically went through uh, the process of you getting uh, a chance just to get the, the, the axe, because you have to spend all this money up front uh, to basically get all of the other items in the game, if I understand correctly, or get like these other iron crown packs, and they're all like $7 a pop. That would total you up to $100. Fifty-four dollars, and then from there you'd have to spend additional money, um, like uh, up to I would I would assume sixteen dollars in order to get just get a chance to open a loot box that has the item inside. And that's just assuming that luck is on your side. If luck isn't on your side, you'd spend you'd be spending a lot more than one hundred seventy dollars in coins in order to get this uh, special axe. So. Tim, are you gonna go to Apex Legends right now and get this axe? Are you gonna drop everything and uh go and get this thing?
2: Yeah, totally. I like spending yeah. lots of money. <laughs>
0: yeah. You're Mr. Moneybags, that's that's who you are. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, dach. what
0: well, do you what just... do you make of the axe this axe controversy?
2: It's kinda ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, so like. I mean, so yeah, you have to spend, like, one hundred seventy dollars. But if you, even just like, the axe like, isolated on isolated on its own is like thirty five dollars. It's still a lot. Mm. For a, for a skin, yeah. it's like, freaking what? What does that axe do? That I mean, it's just a skin, but it better do yeah, more than just skin. that. But it can't because it's just a skin.
1: Yeah. So wait, I, it's really just a skin. Yeah. Yeah. If it did more than just be a skim, then it would be a uh, gameplay benefit and they would become pay to win.
2: Exactly. They can't yeah.
1: do that. Oh. Exactly.
0: That makes 100% sense. That I'm, I'm so out of it. <laughs> yeah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: unless it, like, unless when you got that axe, if you threw it at the skybox, it would, like, open up a portal to, like, a DLC. <laughs> it's like, okay. Shit. You got something to work with there. But it doesn't do that. So, oh my God! I, it just—it seems silly.
0: Yeah, and
1: Sean, what do you make of it? This is—I've been following this, even though I've never played Apex Legends because I have no interest in battle royale and Apex at Legends. Uh, I hold a grudge against because it came out and pretty much canceled Titanfall three because of it. Yep. Uh, but this is bonkers. This is ridiculous. Uh, the only game I play that has sort of events with loot boxes is Overwatch. And I haven't played that for a few months, honestly. I, I completely skipped the summer event because I didn't care what was in it. Yeah. But with Overwatch, it's like... It, it, there's not a lot that's being confusing. It's like, the stuff's in the loot box. You get it or you don't. And that's it. Yeah. You earn loot boxes by playing, or you can buy some if you want. And no, big, no big deal. Uh, but with Apex Legends what they're doing and what some other games are doing as well is they're sort of obfuscating how you get this item mm-hmm. and i guarantee if you're playing apex legends there's no timeline you have that apex legend tells you like first you gotta get this box then this box then spend this money and you get to this they're not gonna lay it out for you yeah they're gonna keep that shit vague because if they laid it out then you're like oh I'm being scammed. <laughs> oh, yeah. now I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's... They're, they're taking my... Okay, I get it. Right. So this is just them. And the thing is, like, if this was an axe that costs $170 just on its own, that'd be ridiculous. But it's the fact that you have to spend $160 to earn the opportunity... To spend ten dollars yeah. mm-hmm. to unlock a thirty-five dollars virtual axe, and it's madness. And it's just, yeah, it's the developers once again trying to do something where it's like, okay, they've caught on to our tricks. How do we? How do we pivot and deflect? How do we yeah. get they get that money? Because the consumer's like, hey, hey, They're, they keep turning around, so the the developer can't reach into their back pocket. They get their wallet. So the developer just has to keep trying to strafe around the consumer to get that wallet and it's like this is just it's ridiculous and i have uh outside of this article i looked at how the community was reacting on the apex Legends, uh subreddit yeah they're not happy so it's at least good to see that uh the community is like yeah this actually looks great i'm ready to spend my money they're not drinking the kool-aid at least yeah uh, I don't know how many people have actually bought into this, probably all the whales mm-hmm. that usually do it, you know, they spend all the money no matter what.
0: Yeah. Um
1: it's just it's just but,
0: unfortunate. I mean, I I think this is really a direct response to their dwindling numbers because we've seen I think we've all seen yeah. reports of, you know, how Apex Legends how their popular I don't have exact numbers, but how their popularity has been kind of really tapering off. Um, especially the I think even before the summer, it, it was just when when before they even announced the new character joining their um, their roster. I, I think it was it was really on the downhill, and now I can only assume mm-hmm. that it's it's much worse. Um, you know, with the rise of I mean, Fortnite had its championships, so it probably got some more numbers there, uh, and and you know we have the next Call of Duty is just around the corner, and that multiplayer component looks awesome. You just have all you just you just have all these these other competitors, you know, popping up left and right. So it really, you know, having a battle royale game in 2019 is just it's not not really advisable. Yeah. And um, you know, I think this is a direct response to that, and and them trying to just funnel some more money out of the game, uh, trying to squeeze out everything everything that they can from their player base. I whether this means that we'll get tied to fall three sooner, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but it could I, be that <laughs> I, I would hope so. Yeah. But like Titanfall two didn't sell well, not because it was a bad game, but because it was released between Call of Duty yeah, and EA um, stupid Battlefield. Yeah, that was a uh, stupid move by EA. Yeah, but yeah, Apex Legends is the very definition of flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Like it, it came out it it somehow beat out Fortnite in Twitch views, which apparently is the new metric to determine a game's success. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Uh, and then it immediately dropped off, and no one cared. But yeah, the community on the, on subreddit are not happy. And apparently, um, I don't know the full story, but one of the developers came onto the subreddit to sort of do like an AMA, sort of address the issues. Yeah. And this happens on a lot of gaming subreddits where like the developers would come on and sort of like, hey, here's what's going on. And there's a screenshot, I don't have it at the moment, unfortunately, where the guy, the developer said, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm, I don't want to engage with a toxic and angry community. You know, I, I've been doing uh, development for so many years, and I remember back in the day, back in the 90s, they didn't have this these all these toxicity and all this anger, so I don't know what happened. And one of the replies was like, yeah, well, in the 90s, you didn't have almost $200 content in a game, yeah. so that's probably why. Yeah. So Apex Legends, don't blame a toxic community for being toxic at you. Mm-hmm. You made it toxic. Yeah, you dump the the nuclear waste into the river, and then you try to drink something, and you grow a tentacle. I'm like, what? Who did this? Yeah, this is not right. Yeah, I mean, it's that's a
0: kind of like silly argument because 30 years ago, 20, even 20, even 10 years ago, the video game industry is not making the money it was. It is now. You know, just yeah, doesn't make any sense Um, because people are paying. You know, as they should. People are putting money into something. They expect something in return, of quality in return. That's how Mm -hmm. capitalism works. And uh, if they're angry about it, well, you see why. Because they're putting their hard-earned money into your entertainment uh, software. So, you know, of course. Uh, Well, I hope Apex Legends kind of... uh, its act together, I, I suppose. Uh, I, I, I really don't see this friend, this game, really lasting another
1: very long after this. I mean, I kind of want it to fail, just because I, I. Yeah, it, it doesn't have a big player base to begin with, so I won't mm-hmm. feel bad about being like, "Oh no, my game is gone." Right. I kind of want it to fail, just so it can stand as an example of. This is what happens when you put your money into a live service game. Eventually, it gets taken away from you. Yeah, those servers get shut off, and that money is gone. So, maybe that will wake some people up. It's like stop spending money on live service. Right, just play the game, buy the game, or don't buy a game that has loot boxes because Mm -hmm. loot boxes are supposed to sustain the game. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't say outside of.
0: I wouldn't say I wanted it to fail. I, I, you know, because there there are people who have. You know, mouse to feed on the project and stuff like that. But, like, I, I do, you know, feel like I, that I just personally feel like it's not going to last very much longer. I mean, battle royale is on its way out. Everybody knows this. You know, like it, it's it's a. I know Fortnite is still really popular, but like, if you yeah. want to have a, you know, um, if you if you're planning on opening up a battle royale game in 2019, forget about it. You know, try something yeah, else. Don't do it. That there's, there's I think just the only way way thing gonna yeah.
1: that's going to definitively kill Battle Royale is if Fortnite dies. And the only way that Fortnite is going to die is if there's some new game and or genre comes out that gets streamed more on Twitch than Fortnite. Dude. Because Fortnite's success is 100% dependent on its, its Twitch visibility. It's going to be so Minecraft.
0: Visibility. Dude, it's going to be Minecraft. It's going to destroy it. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, Minecraft keeps coming back. It keeps, dude. Minecraft you, just... is like blowing up in popularity, blowing oh, up. Really? Okay. It's like crazy. Like like twenty nineteen is like the best year in in a couple of years, right, Tim?
2: Yeah, that's that's what I hear.
0: Yeah, it's like going like crazy popular now. It's awesome. I love it. PewDiePie, keep doing God's right. work. <laughs> we salute you. <laughs>
1: Minecraft, hang in there. You can, you can do it. You can defeat Goliath. I believe in you. Yeah. Even though you're kind of a Goliath too, but right now Fortnite's like Goliath yeah. plus. So anyway, you can do it. Yeah. Go Minecraft. Go Mo Yang. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, if Ninja starts playing Minecraft, I mean, just by Microsoft.
1: Dude. So. That's true. Yo. Yeah. That's gonna. That's definitely Microsoft, gonna happen. I don't think Oh my Microsoft god! Minecraft doesn't have a mistake in Fortnite, so they'll probably be okay with him streaming Fortnite because that's what people are coming there for. But they might be like, "Hey, Ninja, could you play some Minecraft? Oops, I dropped a hundred on the floor. Oh well, you know, just yeah, a hundred thousand, you mean, <laughs> or a hundred million? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ninja's not going to even cut his eyes to a dollar bill <laughs> fall on the floor. <laughs> He's like, who cares? Whatever. Did yeah. you drop some <laughs> garbage on the paper. floor? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that about wraps it up for our news stories this week. Let's move on to the topic of the show. This actually has to do a little bit with Microsoft, because uh, earlier this week, Microsoft uh, had an interview with GameSpot, and they actually came out saying that cloud gaming is inevitable, that uh, we're all going to, at one point, be playing from uh, uh, streaming only devices. It's just, it, it, you know, it's only a matter of time. Uh, that being said, uh, uh, head of Xbox Phil Spencer did say that it is kind of years away from being mainstream, something that everyone's going to do. Um, that you know, streaming is going to get there, and it's not going to take like twenty years, at, like how movies transitioned to to Netflix, that that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like how we how we let go of um, of like discs, and now we watch a lot of movies on on stream. It's not going to take as long as as that period of time, which was about twenty years. Um, that being said, it's not going to take two years. You know, it's not—it's it's not right around the corner. Um, and uh, an article by Ars Technica came out and saying that, pointing out that Ubisoft CEO Ives um, Girmont I, I can't pronounce his name. I'm so sorry. Ubisoft CEO said last year that uh, after next generation of consoles, they they just—it's just, just going to be all streaming only. Which is concerning him personally. Again, going back to what Phil Spencer was saying, he says that that cloud systems aren't going to replace traditional consoles just yet. Um, it, you know, they are working on Project X Cloud, which is going to be like their streaming technology, where you could stream games on your phone and your Xbox console, and it, their whole platform is all, is all about like playing games wherever you want to, which is pretty cool. Um, and it, it's definitely a direction that he and his company are are headed, and I think it's the same with Sony, um, with uh, PlayStation Now, and their catalog of games. Uh, I think it's just growing more and more every day. So, I'm going to leave this open to you guys, and you could inject your own, any other news stories that you found, any other quotes, etc., etc. Is cloud gaming really inevitable? Sean, let's start with you.
1: 100% no. Mm. I, I don't... I, I know Phil Spencer said, oh, it's not going to take 20... It's going to take more than 20 years. Yeah. Because if you... The reason Netflix has become so popular is because of its obtainability. It's easy to get, and streaming service make, is very convenient. It's, it's The huge benefit is that I don't have to go over to Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? I don't have to go over to the <laughs> Blockbuster to rent something. I can just you know, say, I want this movie, and I and I have it. I just play a subscription. I have all these movies. It's so convenient and so appealing. Personally, and I've tried to look at this from every angle, there is no benefit to cloud stream gaming. None. The only person it benefits is the uh, publishers because mm-hmm. you're giving them money and you don't get anything. I mean, you get something, but you don't own it. You are now right. dependent on their server staying up forever. And you can't depend on that. Don't do that, people. Yep. Because it's not a case of, like, oh, I bought an Xbox. Ah, I broke down. I'll get it repaired or I'll get a new one. If their server goes down, you can't be like, ah, I'll get a new server. It doesn't work that way. Yep. That game's gone. You don't have it. Yep. And it it ha- there's no benefit. And they say it's like, well, you could use it to play games that you wouldn't otherwise be able to run on your current hardware. Well, it didn't make better hardware for the consoles. As for PC, I can understand that a little bit more, but just put the money towards a better PC and you'll be better in the long yep. run. I know it seems less ideal to spend that much money up front rather than a little bit of money over time, but you will save more money that way and you'll actually own something. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest downfall of cloud gaming and stream gaming is that the latency and the lag. Yep. You, you're going to have that no matter what. You, unless you are so close to a server you can touch it you're going to have lag and for some games that doesn't really matter, some single player games it doesn't really matter, but if you ever want to play a multiplayer game or a competitive game which seems to be the way of all games going uh, since live service only works in a multiplayer atmosphere Mm -hmm. you need no lag, you need as little lag as possible so I don't know why you would go into a situation in which you would say, yeah I want this system in which I don't own a game in which I'm more dependent on internet also give me more latency and lag yeah fill me up get, put it in a trough I'll eat it up <laughs> sounds great yeah They're, let me pull my pants so, down let me yeah <laughs> it's like yeah yeah. I'll pull my pants down you get ready I'll put on some some Marvin Gaye and we can get this thing going <laughs> exactly I, it, I I believe cloud gaming is coming that's undeniable it is coming mm-hmm. it's going to come on consoles of course but it's not going to replace physical media it's not physical media is currently being replaced by downloadable media which i'm not a fan of but i understand but cloud gaming is not going to replace physical media it's not going to replace downloaded games and cloud gaming in general is not going to replace it going to be popular for one reason, one reason only, and that is because, speaking just for the West, a large section of America doesn't have fast enough internet for that yep. stuff. They just don't. Yep. And, you know, you're worried about, like, data caps in terms of downloading games. Like, oh, games are getting, like, 60 gigs, you know, in size. It's like, oh, I can't download that. i got a data cap. Mm-hmm. Well, that data cap is going to get busted really fast if you do cloud stream gaming. Yeah. It's going to get destroyed. And so we have to rely on the internet providers to make bigger data caps, or remove data caps? Are, are you happening. kidding? We're not going to rely on them to do anything for the customer. Are you kidding? So in absolute no scenario do I see this becoming the norm unless the publishers force it, in which they say, this game is only coming to cloud streaming this game will not have a fiscal release. It will not be downloadable. You must use the cloud. And they would have to do that for every single game they have. Every developer, every publisher would have to get on board with that. Because as soon as you say, this game is only on cloud, it's like, oh, okay. I'll go play that game. Mm-hmm. So unless they get every single game, you know. Right. No, I don't think anyone's going to buy it. Of course, that's my own perception of the world. And the world has disappointed me time and time again. <laughs> so... Maybe I'm wrong. I could easily be wrong, and in five years, cloud gaming becomes Mm -hmm. the new norm. Reality is often disappointing. (laughs) And if if cloud gaming ever becomes the norm, it becomes the default, where it replaces downloading games, where it replaces um, physical media. If that ever happens, you have my outright permission to Photoshop my face onto that picture of Abe Simpson, where it says "old man yells at cloud" because that's what's happening. Yeah. Because I can't see this ever. I I I can't figure out. So hopefully one of you two can tell me what is the benefit of cloud gaming because I haven't been able to find out. Tim, so what what is the benefit of cloud gaming? Um,
2: the benefit of cloud gaming is um, uh, security. And convenience and um,
0: dot, just dot, dot. Just, just,
2: don't, just don't worry about it. It'll be, yeah. it'll be great. <laughs> you're, you're gonna be, we're all gonna be in the cloud together, and we're gonna love it. That's don't right. Don't worry about it.
0: That's right. What do you What do you make of um, cloud gaming, Tim?
2: What is cloud gaming? <laughs> no, um, I don't know if it will become the future. Mm-hmm. I personally hope it does not. And I mean, these people are saying, like, oh, it's inevitable. It's it's going to happen. It's happened with all this other stuff, but I just don't think that it needs to be the future. Right. I think, can it be an option? I think it could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that... Maybe not the way Google's been handling it, but... <laughs> maybe some other company somewhere else will execute the idea more, more successfully or maybe even google would get their stuff together i still probably wouldn't invest in cloud gaming but i don't know maybe there's a way it could be okay but yeah i don't think it needs to be the one and only true way of of doing stuff i mean i like i like being able to own my stuff i know there's there's kind of a little like when you when you like download stuff it's not totally like you own it it kind of is but it's not exactly the same as like buying a physical copy as a matter of fact if if I had the option of like buying physical copies of like PC games I, I probably would do that um, right but I mean just at least like in terms of viability it's We've, you know, Sean mentioned that just that the quality of Internet just isn't really available to everyone. And it's a difficult kind of thing. Um, And just the option to not have to be online is great if you don't want to or if you literally can't or if there's power outages or if you're having service done to your neighborhood or whatever. And it kind of just puts a it's a clamp on your options in that way. Mhm. And it doesn't it's not even really that at least with Stadia's example, it's not really that much less expensive cuz like yeah. I think it's like 160 to 160 bucks like for the stuff that you get for them. Yeah. You could get
1: an Apex Legends axe for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: that's so right. See, I'm glad we have good <laughs> options for buying stuff these yeah, days.
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> No, um, you're right. You're 100 percent right. I mean, yeah. What is the benefit there in terms of you have you have a console that's 100? I really, you know, I, I do think that that people will buy this. Will will buy Google Stadia. I, this is this topic isn't really about Google Stadia. It's more about like cloud gaming in general. But you know, there there is an audience for this. Just this is the same audience that buys the iPhone every year. You know what I'm saying? The same, yeah. the same type of people who are like on the latest trends, who are always like buying up everything, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like always like tech savvy, always willing to invest in new experiments that the big tech companies do. This is the, th- the people that I think I foresee, you know, Google Stadia and cloud gaming in general kind of picking up. And I, you know, that, that audience exists for sure, but is it financially viable? Does it make sense to to, to to make a product that's catered just to them? I mean, you're talking about, mm. you know, I, I I don't know. It could it could to Google and, and to whomever else, you know, if, if Microsoft makes a streaming only console, which they said that they, they're not, they're not going to make a streaming only console. But if they if they change their minds in you know two three years and they do, uh, is 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 that audience enough for them? I don't know.
1: You know, it it, it could be I, I think like two things I think what might happen is with the next generation of consoles, uh, let's say Microsoft does this. Yeah. They come out with the Xbox two or seven twenty, whatever the yeah, hell it's gonna be called. Um, Project Scarlet, I think they're calling it now. Mm-hmm. Uh that comes out and it has an option of cloud stream gaming on it. Great. I think then a couple years down the line they'll come out with a mini version of that Xbox. That is only cloud-based gaming, just to test the waters. Just to see, like, oh, we'll have this game. Because they had that uh, that one version of the Xbox One that was only downloadable games. You, there was no disk drive in it. So they might try to do something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I don't know how successful that was. I don't but know But I, I get the, the impression that... In these interviews, when they ask them how viable do you think uh, cloud screen gaming is, and they say, oh, well, it's the future. Maybe Mm. not tomorrow, but it's coming soon. That's their way of trying to convince the public that this is the future, even though they know for sure the only way it's the future is if people get on board and people aren't on board yet. But they say, oh, it's the future. You have those people who buy the iPhone every iteration of it. like, oh, well, I need to get on this. This is the newest thing. Mm -hmm. This is the newest tech. It's like just because it's a new tech doesn't mean it's a better tech. Right. I mean, yeah, we have more features on our phones, but our phones also die after 2 years where as a 1990s Nokia phone still works today. Yep. So there there's going to be trade off there and with cloud gaming the trade off is a you don't own the game and b you have latency and c it's stupid why are you doing this? Yeah. I mean, it, it you're you have a
0: point there. I mean, uh you know, like They're they're kind of it seems like they're pushing an agenda, and it's like Mm -hmm. where are the metrics here? Like where where am I seeing that people are consuming so much streaming content? Okay, I understand that Xbox Game Pass is is popular, you know, hundred percent. But is that just because it's cheap? Because you know you guys have been promoting the hell out of that, and at one point you could buy Xbox Game Pass for like a dollar, I think. You know, after Mm E three. And, and, that is the
1: best way to get people to buy on something. It's just to make it cheap.
0: Yeah, you make it cheap, and, and you get people on board. You know, and um, I, I'm not totally well. Xbox Game Pass works on on you know the Xbox One on the console, um, but I know it works on other devices and stuff like that too. But I know it's predominantly most games are on Xbox One, if if I recall correctly. So I mean, it, it's like. I, I, you know, you have a dedicated console for that, and and and, it, and it's hardwired. Obviously, I, I don't know. Like it just, it, it it all just seems like we just keep getting spoon-fed all of this like information about you know PlayStation Now and then um, Xbox Game Pass and now Google Stania. and it's like, does anyone really want this? I, I, you the developers know,
1: person publishers want it, and, and it's like Microsoft I, wants it. Every time I every time I see I these think- stories,
0: yeah. I mean, every time I see these stories, it's like all the comments are like, you know, yeah, it'll happen. It'll be more popular in the future. Sure. Okay, whatever. I'm still going to be picking up, you know, uh, Witcher f- the Cyberpunk 2077. I'm still going to get the collector's edition of that. You know, I'm still going to get the mm-hmm. physical edition of that. I'm still getting Amazon to ship it to my house, you know? yeah. That's every every scenario. And I don't see that going away. It's just just nonsensical. And and that's not even to mention the the stupid debate that Google had where it was like, oh yeah, um, ISPs are going to, ISPs usually have, um, they usually like get with the time, so they raise the data caps. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I can see how they, because they, they raised the data caps back when um, when Netflix started gaining more prominence and then when other its competitors started getting on the scene, like Hulu, um, et cetera, et cetera, they raised the data caps then. And so they said when once gaming, when streaming, game streaming becomes more prominent ISPs are going to raise the data caps again. And it's like you're first of all, you're ba- you're basing your business model on something that doesn't exist, like it, on an assumption, which is never a good thing to do, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like who who says that who says that ISPs are going to do this? You know what I'm saying? ISPs are basically like four ISPs in all of North America that control everything. And not mm-hmm. only that, but they monopolize communities. So you have one ISP in one area that's only in that area, and it's like it's almost like gangs, you know? Like, oh, that that's their turf, <laughs> so we're not gonna go in their turf. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. how it works. Maybe not where I live in New York City. It's, it, there's some overlap, but in most places in in North America, in the United States, I should say, you know, that's how it works. And I don't see like them banding together saying, you know, oh, let's let's all collectively raise a data cap. They're not going to do that, you know, and it it's just it's it's, it's just nonsensical. And that, that's not to mention the fact that the the average in America is 20 um uh m uh megabytes per second, which is like that's that's the average, you know. And it's yeah. That, you know, the Google Stadia, I think at uh 1080p requires 35 if I recall correctly, or 30, 30 uh, uh, mb uh, per second. So it's like, mm-hmm. how are you? Like how? I, I just like why? <laughs> my my whole question is like why? Like I, I I just don't understand. And and they see they're seeing the money from the from the publisher side from the developer side. I would see the money there yeah. too. You know, that's just it. Just makes sense, and it makes sense for Google who wants they've been talking about getting into gaming for years you know and i could see this as them going hey you know publishers hey devs we got your back we're going to create a plat a platform that's specifically designed for you so that whenever you want to like take your game off the platform whenever you want to whatever whenever license what like music licenses get off whatever you just take it off you don't have to worry about anything ever, ever again you know what i'm saying and it's like mm-hmm. I could see them building a relationship right from the gate with developers and, and publishers. Building de- relationships with consumers, eh, don't see it. Just because the technology isn't there yet. And I can go on and on about how like how they're assuming like 5G is going to become popular now all of a sudden when 5G is built on fiber optic networks and fiber optics are not, not at all. Like they're, they're very limited in this country. I mean we're – the people here on this podcast, were we all live in the Northeast, so it's fine for us, you know. I I, mm-hmm. I think I don't know what ISPs you guys have, but um, uh, I have like fiber optics, so I have better internet. But you know, uh, and and I think a lot of people on the Northeast do too. But that's not the same for the rest of the country, especially in Middle America, where many many people live. So, you know, it, it's just so many nonsensical assumptions that they're making. And it's like, why? Like, why even bother at this point? It's just so early. and Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for, like, Internet, yeah, like, here I have a a decently fast Internet. uh, But I remember when I went away to college, I lived in this area. I didn't live on campus. I lived sort of in this student apartment area. Yeah. And the Internet provider they had was not someone you would have heard of. It wasn't Comcast or Verizon or or time one, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was some mom and pop operation. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it was so small that when I called customer service, I was talking to the founder. Oh my God. Uh, also, he was an asshole, and I impossible <laughs> to get him to help me. You know, I said like, uh, man, my, my internet's incredibly slow. I like, well, how slow is it? I'm like, well, I can't open up web pages without it taking like five minutes to open. Mm-hmm. Like, but they are opening, right? I'm like, yeah, eventually. He's like, well, I don't see the problem. And it's like, damn um, this isn't only just for like schoolwork. I, I I work via internet I need to be able to have there's something wrong and like three months later they got some new guy to work there some new IT guy and he came by and he talked to me and he says yeah so I found out that the cable that runs to your apartment uh, uh, building is frayed and that's why you're oh, getting very slow oh my so that's why you were getting really slow in it. So, yeah, you were right. I'm like, oh, thank you. I got some validation. But, yeah, I, if if the rest of the country has these situations where they're, they're smaller towns and they have these sort of uh, mom-and-pop operation uh, ISP providers, then, you know, let's assume that uh, Comcast and Verizon and all the big four, they decide to say, all right, we'll raise the data caps. Yeah. They have mm-hmm. a moment of clarity. They, they had a... Ghost of Christmas Future visited them and they had a change of heart. Like Jesus came in and and, and said, you must do this, yes. Exactly. So they had a change of heart and they said, all right, we'll raise the data caps. Well, that still doesn't fix the issue with those who have ISPs that aren't in that. Because, like, you know, um, Backwater uh, Internet is not going to raise... They they might not have the ability to raise the data cap. So it's a big issue. But for, like, yeah, the, the only people I can see... Who would really benefit from this are the big companies, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony. Because if cloud gaming became the norm, it became the default, it was the standard, that would mean the only way I could see that being true is if they had completely ditched consoles altogether. Mm -hmm. If they had said, well, if we're going to do cloud streaming now for your games, we don't need a console anymore. We'll just have a subscription service that you'll use on your computer. Yeah, and you know, all computers, even the cheapest one, can run our game. So, and you don't need a fast computer to run our games because that's the whole benefit, quote unquote, benefit of cloud gaming was that you know I could have this crappy computer, but as long as my internet's fine, I can play a really good game, high high graphics settings, 4K, 60 FPS, yeah, no problem on my you know. My Atari over here, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, but I, I, I don't see that future very foreseeable. Yeah. that they would just ditch consoles like that. Now, the idea of all the the big three kind of ditching consoles and just having subscription service on the PC, I can see the appeal of that because they're like I only have to buy a PC, and then I have all the subscriptions that I can just, uh-huh. I can you know I can dump into, but. It has its own drawbacks. Being a, it'd be cloud gaming, and I don't like that. B, it'd be a subscription service, which means if I stop the subscription service, I probably don't get those games anymore. Uh huh. So um, I don't.
0: I don't. I, to be honest, like I don't see Nintendo ever doing this. Like I just feel Nintendo, like Nintendo, no. Nintendo I feel like their is business... still in the
1: 1990s with internet. Yeah, but they, they. Yeah, they're they're probably still using dial up over there. They have no idea how the internet works. No, not 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 to
0: not dogging Nintendo. I, I mean like in the sense that like. Nintendo's whole like business model is just coming up with innovative new ways to to change gaming, you know? Like they they they're, mm-hmm. they're not so much about, you know, uh, the tech so much as they are about like the actual experience of playing the game, if that makes any sense. So like like You know, like, you look at the Wii. The Wii is all about motion controls and stuff like that, right? And then you look at the DS, and it was, like, dual screens. You know, it's just, like, innovative ways of playing games. And the Switch, too. Their innovations have always been hardware-focused. I think it's just how you play the games is always Mm -hmm. been focused.
1: So, yeah, I could see that.
0: You know, and and that's always... I think that's always going to be, like, in their DNA, you know, like, moving forward. Mm -hmm. They're always going to try to come up with ways of, like, changing up how we we experience them the, through the hardware, um, so I don't I don't see that kind of model ever going away. To be honest, as long as Nintendo exists, I don't see it going away. And if Nintendo, even if Nintendo doesn't exist anymore, you know, Sega or or, or some other you know company is going to come out and they're going to try to do it. I think. You know, that's going-
1: a grim future where Nintendo disappears and we have to rely on Sega oh yeah yeah that's a grim future maybe Sega's a bad
0: this. example maybe
2: maybe <laughs> it's like <the> darkest timeline <laughs> <laughs> it's the darkest yeah
0: timeline. <laughs> maybe honestly maybe what about Tencent or like all like these these emerging you know really big video game companies in in the east you know that like in China like Tencent I think it's a Chinese mm. company that owns League of Legends you know like I can
1: see them doing it For sure. I could see Tencent trying to move into the console-slash-cloud gaming market because they are monolithic and gigantic. Oh, yeah. I'm not a fan of Tencent and their uh, policy of just gobbling up companies and forcing them into their brand image. But if anyone could do it, it would be Tencent. Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: you know, like, there's so much... I I feel like yeah like we will at one point uh there there will be an audience for cloud gaming and like that 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 audience will exist for sure but again the core audience will st- I think I think beyond 20 years I'm talking like 50 years down the line like we're going to we're going to still see physical media I mean like honestly if not physical like disks then downloading games onto our hard drives And then just playing them there. I can't imagine... I can't imagine the the lag... Like, Sean, you pointed out before, the latency. I can't imagine that. And, you know, you look at countries like Italy, like, and and other European countries, like, Jesus Christ, their internet is so bad. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's terrible. You can't even, like, seriously, opening up websites like IGN or, like, I don't know, GameSpot or something like that that have videos embedded on their homepage, it takes, like, a couple of... A good couple of minutes, I'm serious. Mm -hmm. And like...
1: Yeah, that's...
0: Are you saying that that's going to happen in like the next 20 (coughs) years? I don't think so, buddy. It's not.
1: Yeah, there's no chance. The only future I see in which cloud gaming becomes the norm is the future in which we have all downloaded our brains into the master computer (laughs) and left our physical forms (laughs) and we just exist within the cloud with our games. Yeah, yeah. And we all can hug our waifus, and we just... It's bliss. I mean,
0: listen, if Nintendo makes a Fire Emblem game with waifus that's all, that all exists in the cloud, <laughs> I'll gobble it up, okay? Like, exclusive yes. to Xbox, xCloud, whatever the hell, PlayStation, xCloud, now, I, or whatever the hell, hell yeah, yeah. I'd buy that.
1: I mean, I, I, I said it early in the podcast, if you want to improve your game sales, add waifus and let's date them. If go. you want to make cloud gaming catch on, add waifus, and let us date them. There you go. And it'll catch on. I don't know how you're going to do it with cloud gaming, but if you do it, <laughs> it'll happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, guys. So, final verdict time. Will you buy a streaming only console in the future? As long as you exist in this planet, will you at every point in your life buy a streaming only console? Tim?
2: Probably not. Okay. Uh, I just... The whole idea of it isn't appealing to me. I do like having some kind of ownership there and then being able to do like offline stuff. And it just, for me, it wouldn't really make sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well said. And Sean? As the model stands now, absolutely not. Uh, if they made it a subscription service in which i could also download the games or they made it or if it was a subscription service and this the service had a good number of games that were exclusive to that service because the only reason i buy a console is if it has enough exclusives that i'm interested in yeah um so if they do that and or add waifus i can date Mm-hmm. Maybe, but since that's not going to happen, no, I'm not going to buy it yeah. because I still like to own my stuff that I put money into. Yeah, again, people don't spend money on things that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah,
0: and as for me, I don't see myself playing, uh, buying a streaming console in the future. I just feel like I just like the sense of the aesthetic, maybe, of just putting a console of a box, you know, under a TV and just picking up a controller and playing the damn game, you know? And I could do yeah. that anywhere in the world. And I just like that appeal. And I know, like, having a box may be cumbersome, and I do foresee boxes becoming smaller, for sure. Like, like, uh, could the next PlayStation be as small as a Roku? For sure, you know? Uh, it, it, that's a, in the realm of possibility. But, and, and I'm fine with that. I just feel like... The way that I, be, I I was raised on games, it, it was always a, a monitor and then a a, a, a a box, and then you pick up the controller and you play, you know. And there's always there's like a, an appeal to that, like just to come home every day and you look at your TV and you see your PlayStation or your Xbox or your Nintendo system just below your TV and your controller sitting right beside it, and you're like, yeah, I want to go, I want to you know pick it up, I just want to play, you know what I'm saying? And that's like your space, that's like your that's like, and, and to have like a, a, a pile of games right by it, not like a huge pile, maybe like a couple games by it. It just, it just feels like, I don't know, feels like home to me, and I don't want to see that ever go away. I know I feel like a, like a grandpa maybe, or or, or something like <laughs> that, but but really, I honest, I'm being very honest, and I feel like a lot of people are the same way. Like, there's just there's just a, a sense of like. um of invite like it just invites me and it invites other people to, to, to see that type of deal and to, to, like, to have like a man cave with like you know your maybe a couple figurines around stuff like that to show off that you're you know a, a, a true gamer quote unquote uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I just I, I would have missed it if that were to be replaced entirely so that's just me but no I won't be buying a streaming only console in the future if I didn't make that already clear <laughs> yeah Alright, so that about wraps it up for episode 6 of KingCast. Thank you for joining us, everyone. I'm your host again, Dave Lozada. You can find me on Twitter at Xenocreator125. Sean is here. You can find him on Twitter at
1: Gingerbread. 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 D-J-I-N-N-G-E-R underscore bread. There you go. Find him on Twitter at
0: Gingerbread. I won't forget it next time. And, of course, you can find Tim on King Gamer writing articles, as usual. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Bye. See ya.
2: Bye-bye.